coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. It does have a lot to do with belief. When I started my business, I would have never started it had I not believed that I could accomplish it. And I'd watched other people start businesses. I was working for other people that had a similar business. And, you know, one of the common themes is why not me? Like if these guys can do it, why can't I do it? I may not know how to do it right now, but I think I just have this natural ability to commit to something and figure it out along the way. My wife, I was on a phone call with my wife yesterday and she brags me up sometimes and says that, you know, what Jefferson has a, a knack of doing is building his plane on the way down. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I just have, you know, I think one thing that entrepreneurs have in common is they just have this natural ability to believe that things are possible and figure it out as you go. One, some of the smartest people I know that would just have an incredible opportunity if they could put this one component together they just overanalyze and they overthink and then they just never get around to doing anything. And I'm kind of opposite where, you know, I, I think I have some natural intellect and things like that, but I'm compared to other people that I know, I'm, I don't think I'm that smart. I just get to work and I figure it out as I go. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. My name is Jefferson Rogers, and I am the proud owner of JKR Windows, also a father and husband, and uh, just barely getting started over the last couple of years doing smart things with my life. Still got a long ways to go. Man, dinner table was exciting at my house. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I'm the oldest of four boys. So we had, we were usually in a big hurry to get food down so we could continue on with whatever we were doing. You know, we did lots of outdoor activities, rollerblading, BMX. We had zip lines in our backyard, trampolines. Cool. We used to jump out of the second story window on the trampoline. And it was, uh, you know, mom tried to get us to sit down for dinner. It didn't work all that well most of the time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Sounds like a, a typical typical boy family, right? Everybody's running around. Were you guys in sports or anything like that? Did you do go down yeah. that path? Yeah. Yeah, we did. I did a little bit of soccer. Wasn't that big of a fan. We did flag football and Little League baseball. And then later on, when I was a teenager, got into riding motorcycles and then quit doing all the traditional sports to traded it up for riding dirt bikes. So that cool. Very cool. Excellent. Now, were you, were you, and I know that you've just gotten into more of the entrepreneurial side of things recently, but did you have any entrepreneurial influences that you would say growing up at all? Uh, I think probably the closest thing that I had to an entrepreneurial influence was a, a great uncle of mine. Hmm. It's my grandpa's brother. And he had a, he had a show that he helped produce in Las Vegas and he had, he was a flashy guy, wore chains and had this big flowy, amazing hair, a great house in Vegas and had all these toys. So that was, 
I always wanted to be that uncle growing up. I didn't know how I was going to do it or how he did it. But, you know, I had a lot of other influences in my life that were average, ordinary, you know, just blue collar kind of negative people in my life. And I knew pretty early on that I didn't want to be one of those people mm -hmm. and was going to try and do something. It took me a long time to get it figured out to start doing some things that were productive enough for that to be a reality. But yeah, I had, uh, I think my uncle was probably the closest thing. And besides that, you know, I grew up around just a bunch of really blue collar construction, hardworking, great people. Just, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of exposure to it. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, so did you, you went down the path, did you go to college and all of that? Cause I know obviously you took some, some, uh, some detours, I guess you can say with your yes. life, but, uh, um, you know, did you do the typical college thing or was, where did you start something else, you know, out of high school or what was your path there? You know what? Uh, mostly all I did at high school was just drink beer and smoke weed. Mm -hmm. I had a job at a movie theater making hardly anything. And then I got into construction. My, my, uh, childhood from like 10 years old up until graduating high school, I helped my dad as a, he was a general contractor and I helped him frame houses and do concrete. And I've, I didn't, I don't think I started getting paid for that until after high school. I, I did a lot of work with my dad mm -hmm. just to earn the right to sleep under his roof. But uh, you know what? I ended up going to school. That was, it was just an experience for me. I never had any plans to do anything with it. I just did mm -hmm. some generals and racked up a bunch of student loan debt, but I, I only did two semesters and I, I did really well, but I just attribute that to school being too easy. Okay. Yeah. Barely yep. showed up. <laughs> I barely had to do anything to get a 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, so, so talk a little bit about your life at that time and, and, you know, some of the influences maybe that you had around you or what, what your, maybe your mindset was, your thought process was, you know, what was important to you, like, just kind of dive into that, that part of your life where, um, again, kind of started getting a little squirrely there you know what i think uh you know i didn't have a whole lot of direction and it was just just me trying to make sense of what do i do with my time and i kind of took the path of what most you know teenagers and early 20 year olds would do and that is to find what makes me happy and makes me comfortable and have fun in the process so I, you know, I hung out with a lot of people that were doing the same thing, not a whole lot of direction. And we partied and drank and smoked weed and did some, you know, fun activities and things, but my mindset wasn't really ever, um, aware of being goal oriented or, you know, I, th I think it was aware of it, but I never, I never put a whole lot of emphasis on it. So, you know, for most of my, my twenties. I was just, uh, just focused on having fun and, and partying. Actually, one time I remember my brother asking me because I'm the oldest of four boys and always told my whole life that I'm an example to those boys and, and be careful what you do because they're watching very closely. And I remember one day we were sitting there smoking some weed in the shed and my brother asked me what I was going to do with my life because it was not looking all that bright. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I kind of got defensive and I told him, I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to 
party for the next five years and figure the rest out later. And, you know, luckily I didn't party for five years and started to put some things together after that. But I'll, I'll never forget that because, you know, it turns out I was having an impact on those boys and they were watching me very closely and they followed pretty closely to the things that I was doing. And yeah. now, you know, been able to make an impact in other ways in their lives after the past four and a half years of doing things a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's amazing. Would you say that that was one of the, the turning points, would you say where you started to realize that, you know what, maybe I should look into doing other things or were, yeah. were you not quite there? Not quite at you know, that I, point I, yet. I wasn't quite there yet, but I, I go back and think about some of these times in my life as like seeds planted and memorable moments because I was, you know, there are these emotional interactions that happen and I get defensive and I want to justify the behaviors. But then I go back and think about those later. And it was like, you know what? Things started to change a little bit after that, because I don't ever want my brother to ask me what I've got going on and not have something to say. Mm -hmm. So after that, you know, it, it still took me a while. I don't think I had a driver's license during that time. And for another like five years after that, because I got cut so many times smoking weed, drinking, and then I never stopped driving. So every time I got caught driving, they just tacked on a little bit more time. Yeah. But at least I had had the seed planted and, and I slowly started making progress and doing things that were a little bit smarter, getting a little bit better job, being a little bit more responsible. And then I ended up, you know, having to move away from my hometown so I could get away from some of the influences and the behaviors and the patterns and the partying that was just keeping me stuck. Mm -hmm. And and would you say your temperament during those those uh, that that time period? Would you say that you were? Um, you, you mentioned already that you got very defensive. Were you were you kind of like I don't want to say hot headed, but like things would set you off like really quickly? Was that kind of your personality? Like you go from the Rogers fine to, yeah, runs in the family. We yeah. I've had to work on it significantly <laughs> to be able to get it under control, and I still feel it bubbling up every now and then. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, my dad growing up, my dad's a, a firefighter for 27 years. He's been retired for a couple of years now, but you know, he put me through a couple of walls as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then I picked up right in his footsteps and put my brothers through a couple of walls and gotten bar fights and, and I would just lose it really quickly because of the just like immaturity and emotional instability and just, just reactions is all I ever knew. Didn't know how to control it. Didn't know I needed to control it until I started to realize that, you know, I don't want people to perceive me like this. I don't want to be known as this hothead and be known for this Rogers rage. So now over the past, you know, I've been working on it for 10 years or so, but really have started to see some significant changes and improvements in my marriage and my kids and the way that I respond in business over the past five years. Yeah. Love it. Love it. T talk a little bit about those, those steps when you started to, you know, really start putting things together. What were some of those initial things that you, I don't know, maybe inspired you or things that you realized about yourself or, you know, just, just some of those first steps where you started moving in the right direction. You know what? I think it was one thing that I think I've been really blessed with is this level of confidence and belief in myself that wherever I was at in my journey, it was, it was right where I wanted to be. 
And as soon as I started to make some decisions and change my mindset about what was acceptable in my life, things started happening. And it was usually really quickly. Mm -hmm. So throughout the process, you know, as I've, I've written a book now, and I've done tons of podcasts, and I've done coaching and mentoring, consulting, advising, and I get to see people in all kinds of different scenarios that are some version of what I've been through in my life. And you start to see patterns. And one of the one of the biggest things that you see is the the, the thinking, the the patterns that you have in your beliefs and your thoughts and your self-sabotage that everybody has. It's in some shape or form. And and I've just been able to over the years get better and better at my my thought patterns and my belief and the things that I allow into my space that affect my energy and my, my environment. So, you know, some of it came naturally, but, you know, I also had a mother that was extremely cognizant of the power of that. And she, my whole life as the oldest brother would tell me how incredible I was and how blessed I was and, and the impact that I could make as a leader and as a brother and the, and the natural leader that I, I was born to be. And so, you know, it, it worked because I, I took it in later into life and just have had a, an incredible amount of confidence in everything that I do to know that I can figure things out and I have what it takes. And if I put my mind to something, I know that I can accomplish it. And the, the only reason that I wouldn't is if I quit and I ain't a quitter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. And what, what would you say, like confidence, Confidence in yourself obviously sounds like that was a huge uh, component to your transformation. Um, do you have or have you coached anyone on you know creating more confidence for themselves? Are there any techniques or anything that you've realized about yourself or how you respond you know to different situations to be able to um, increase that that self confidence at all? Yeah, yeah. There's there's some things that you know, you can't, you can't reproduce or you can't duplicate from my upbringing. So, you know, I, I, I believe that I had kind of a leg up because of the way that I was brought up and the confidence that was instilled in me as a young man. But then, you know, there is people that didn't have that. And there's a lot of them. And so the ways that you can start to build that up is you know, it has to start somewhere. And it, what gets people down is like, God, I have so much to do and so much to overcome. And they got all these things weighing them down. And there's kind of like this victim mentality of the upbringing and the, the abuse, but it has to start somewhere. And you just start little by little recognizing what you allow into your environment and the negativity and the self-talk are the first places that I tell people to start. You've got all these things that have just become normal and acceptable to you that you don't even realize the impact that they're having on your life. Mm -hmm. The music, the social media, the negative people that are, have very similar destructive behaviors as you have right now that are just continuing to put you right back in the same spot and keep you from being able to make progress. Yeah. Yeah. The oh. news, news, another one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And those, those are some of the big ones. You, you got to start somewhere and you, you know, most people get too worked up about how far they need to go instead of just focusing on the little things that they can control today. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is, is the only thing that we can truly control is our thoughts. 
And once you can start getting that reeled in and realizing the, the power of your thoughts and being aware of the things that you're thinking, most of us just go through life not even aware of the patterns that we're in, the thought patterns, the self-destructive behaviors, just because it's so normal and everybody else does it too. But once you can start to plug into that and become aware, you can start to make those changes. And then it is amazing what can start to happen just by changing your frequency and your thoughts and the things that you believe are possible for you. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And talk a little bit about some of those things that you've, that you've accomplished now. And, and um, you know, you, you've done some amazing things and very, very quickly too. Um, you know, talk about some of those things and then we'll kind of dive into some of the, the tactile things maybe that, uh, that you've done, you know, that've really had a big impact in your, in your business. So now say that again, just some of the, some so, of the accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like you have your window company, which, you know, has, has blown up, you know, in a very, very short period of time. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are afraid to start their company. So, you know, you went from, you know, maybe not necessarily having a company to jumping in and having, you know, a very, very successful company very, very quickly. Um, so I, I guess just, just explore that area of your life. You know, how did you, how did you choose that you wanted a window company? How did you choose, you know, how to market yourself, how to, you know, how to grow that business? Um, and I'm assuming that you didn't necessarily have a background in running a business or anything like that. And again, you've had, you know, a great deal of success. So, you know, you've, you've, you've done a lot in a very, very quick amount of time. And there's people that have been doing this for years and years and years. And, you know, they have maybe only made a couple hundred thousand and, and uh, you know, you're, you're much further along than that. So, so just talk about that whole transition. So one of the, it, it does have a lot to do with belief. When I started my business, I would have never started it had I not believed that I could accomplish it. And I'd watched other people start businesses. I was working for other people that had a similar business. And, you know, one of the common themes is why not me? Like if these guys can do it, why can't I do it? I may not know how to do it right now, but I think I just have this natural ability to commit to something and figure it out along the way. My wife, I was on a phone call with my wife yesterday and she brags me up sometimes and says that, you know, what Jefferson has a, a knack of doing is building his plane on the way down. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I just have, you know, I think one thing that entrepreneurs have in common is they just have this natural ability to believe that things are possible and figure it out as you go. One, some of the smartest people I know that would just have an incredible opportunity if they could put this one component together they just overanalyze and they overthink and then they just never get around to doing anything. And I'm kind of opposite where, you know, I, I think I have some natural intellect and things like that, but I'm compared to other people that I know, I'm, I don't think I'm that smart. I just get to work and I figure it out as I go. So when I was coming from working with this other business, I saw that they were, they had a great business model and they were great people but they just weren't all that interested in growing or applying any of the things to the business that I thought would be a good idea. And it was like almost threatening to them at those last stages of me working for them because I wanted to do big things. I had big goals. I want to make, you know, back then it was, I want to make 300 grand a year. And they're like, I don't know that that doesn't seem possible here, but you know, good luck. Yeah. And I just, I knew that I could, I knew the activity at that level for sales and volume that I needed to do to do that. 
And I just started making everybody look bad. So I was, it was a threat and I started feeling that pressure. So it led me to go start my own business. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was still scared and there was a lot of uncertainty. I'd never done it before at that level. I'd ran a pressure washing business, but it was nothing like this. It was just me show up and spray some stuff down and, you know, go on to the next one. So yeah, very little experience. I just figured it out as I went. And then what, one thing that really helped me take off in my, my real estate and in my business and in my personal development is, man, I, I started surrounding myself with people who had done it before. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to learn all this stuff the hard way and have it take forever because I know that there's people that have done it and I just have to surround myself with those people and ask the right questions so I can speed up the process. So for the first, first year, I had kind of relied on this mentor program that I was involved in, some high achievers and some people that were doing some big things. And it helped me get the business started and with the belief that I needed to just get my feet under me as a business. Then the next phases were, you know, just getting through all the growing pains and starting to hire people and learning to be a leader and train. And then once I got my feet under me there, what was the next level like? And I ended up getting involved in a consulting program. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've connected with hundreds of extremely successful entrepreneurs. We've interviewed multimillionaires, a few billionaires, top marketers, technologists, brokers, and so, so many more. Many of our guests have even landed on the Fortune 5000 or even the 500 list on at least one occasion. These people are doers, and these are the type of leaders that you want to be connected with and learn from. This whole thing started because I know that the fastest way to success was following others who have done what I'm looking to do first. We created Pass the Secret Sauce so that we could get our own business questions answered and that we could get access to the best minds in business. You see, entrepreneurs are my people, and I truly enjoy connecting with and learning from other successful business owners, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling this 99 Entrepreneur Strong, and it's a community of like-minded business owners just like you who want to learn from and connect with other business owners to create generational wealth together. 99 Entrepreneur Strong is a community of individuals just like you who want to strengthen their business, learn what techniques are generating revenue for other business owners, and perhaps even collaborating on future projects and products. The goal is to get your business growing so that you can begin creating generational wealth. As you probably know by now, we invest in large multifamily opportunities, and we want to help our network of entrepreneurs be able to do the same. Some of my best friends are business owners, and it's so much fun being able to create opportunities and grow together. With 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll be able to network with people from all sections of industry, from investors looking to deploy capital to new opportunities, project managers looking for investors, marketing experts, contractors, mindset gurus, manufacturers, and so, so much more. I've been at this entrepreneur role for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one business work. And the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Community is my attempt to shorten your learning curve to get you plugged into leading experts that you need fast. All this so that you can generate the capital to invest in other passive income opportunities, such as multifamily. 
Unlike other groups, 99 Entrepreneurs Strong is a private organization that you have to apply for. Once you're approved in the group, we will match you with other entrepreneurs who we feel you will connect with. We hold monthly mastermind sessions where members will present their business story, what they need, and what they may be struggling with. And the group will offer suggestions, resources, or solve the business problems together. We also will hold other framework sessions throughout the month where other 99 Entrepreneur Strong members will present what they are currently doing in their own companies. Every session will be recorded and added to the library so you will have access to these resources whenever you need them. When you grow your business with scale, you can also impact other areas that are important to you. With the 99 Entrepreneur Strong Project, combined with our portfolio of multifamily assets and network of other entrepreneurs, our personal impact project is to eradicate the euthanasia of dogs. It's a lofty goal, but I know we can have huge impacts when we join together. So by applying to be a member of 99 Entrepreneur Strong, you'll learn how to make your business grow with tactical advice. You'll network and personally partner with other extremely successful individuals. You'll learn about other generational wealth building opportunities. And perhaps the biggest impact is that you'll help eradicate dog euthanasia. With that, I look forward to meeting you, learning from you, and helping you grow. To learn more, go to 99entrepreneurstrong.com and learned a whole bunch of new things that I could apply to my business with systems, processes, meetings, the rhythms that you do things in, SOPs. And then our business just took off. I mean, it grew 500% in one year. Yeah. But that never would have been possible had I been relying off of my own experience and my own timeline. I, I, I got the cheat code from somebody else who had already done it before. And this is one of the, the things that now I do for other businesses because, you know, I want to bring a different perspective. The guys that I, I saw it for whatever reason without really being prompted or a sales pitch or, you know, whatever the case is. But what I find now in the construction industry and home services is there's so many companies that have been doing it for so long the way that they've been doing it and they just cannot see themselves changing it. And you'll even hear them say stuff like this, is the way we've always done it. Why would you do something different? Don't fix something if it ain't broke. You know, there's all these sayings that keep people stuck. And the coaches, mentors, consulting is one of the biggest contributors to people's really quick change of trajectory and success. That is just an un, unused resource. And there's there's more people that need to know about the power of it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And and again, it kind of gets back to what you're saying earlier, you know, surround yourself with that positivity with you know, with those, those, you know, just surround yourself with knowledgeable people that, that have done things, you know, that, that you're looking to do. So I couldn't agree more. I'm huge on, you know, mentorships and, you know, joining all those types of groups and, and learning from different people. Um, so you, you haven't mentioned yet how successful your, your window company is. I think that that's, you know, a, a great achievement. So um, just real, really quickly, just mention, um, you know, where you're at as far as a company is uh, today and, um, you know, how quickly you were able to, to scale to that level. Yeah. So I started in March of 2018, two months after I got sober. Now I've been sober for four and a half years. Congratulations. But, uh, you know, we started in March of 2018. We did a million in sales in that first year. I did 2.2 million the second year. And then in 2020, 
when everybody was telling me to shut the doors and quarantine and go home and, and think about doing something different, we decided to do the complete opposite. And we doubled down, kept hiring, kept expanding and improving our training. And, and we grew by 500% in 2020. And we did 10.4 million in sales. Wow. Last year, we did 14.4 million. And this year, we're on track for, you know, between 18 and 20 million. Love it. Love it. In our, in our fifth year. So, you know, it has happened quickly. One thing that uh, I'm trying to get better at is celebrating a little bit. It still seems like I haven't done a whole lot mm -hmm. when I compare it to what I know that I'm capable of. So it's, it's, it's almost like a, it's a blessing and a curse because yeah. it's gotten me far quick. But then it's also like I, I, I have a hard time enjoying the process because I'm trying to build yeah. this into 200 million. I, I completely, I, I identify with that so much. I mean, that, you know, people, people are like, wow, you've done so, so much, you know, how did you do all of that? And I'm like, I don't feel like I've done anything yet. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, there, there's been, there's been amazing things that we've accomplished and, you know, it is difficult to be able to take that, that time to set it aside and realize that, yeah, you know, this is, this is pretty incredible. Not many people, you know, can build, you know, a business, you know, doing $20 million a year and, you know, continue to grow and have goals to, to, to grow it to 200 million. So, yeah. um, so that's fantastic. What, what would you say is besides the, the coaching and the mentoring, um, you know, maybe more like tactile, uh, you know, steps that you took in your business, what were some of those big, um, you know, big advancements that, you know, after you did whatever that was, uh, you saw, you know, some, some pretty big, pretty big growth. Yeah. What, what were some of those things? Well, I think it's, it's pretty common in business early on, especially in the home services industries is, you know, everybody feels like they're the best at it and that nobody could do it as good as them. So they, they find themselves years into the process, still having to do most of all of the tasks. And one thing that I learned early on was there were some things that, that weren't going to help grow the business that I was doing that was taking too much of my time. So one of the biggest contributors to us being able to grow so fast is me being able to attract and hire a good team for operations, for admin, for payroll, and for sales. There's only so much that I could do by myself in sales. And for the first 18 months, I closed every single deal, trained every single person. Yeah. And it kind of capped us out right around that $2 million mark. And I was, I could have continued at that pace and I'm dang good at what I do. But for us to grow to, you know, at that time, our goal was only to go to 4 million. I knew that I had to get good at training and developing people. And, and patience was one of the things that I struggled with when I was, when it came to training and, and letting people grow at their own pace. So there's, there's been a lot of lessons that I've learned throughout the growth process when it came to developing people and hiring and hiring the right people. Cause what, what I found myself doing was we would grow to a certain point and now I'm in a hurry to hire somebody. And then I find myself hiring somebody that I probably wouldn't hire if I wasn't in a hurry. And then, you know, it doesn't end well. Yeah. Yeah. But the hiring, growing a team is, is the only way that you can truly be able to grow because you you're buying your time back by training somebody. It's a lot of time and effort involved up front to get that person trained. 
but now you've bought a bunch of your time back that you can go focus on things that are going to help grow the business. Yeah. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, when you, when you're hiring these teams, what, what types of, um, I guess, interview processes, identification processes, I guess that's, that's the best way to be able to describe it. How are you, how are you identifying the people that, you know, yes, this, this person, you know, seems to have the right personality. Like, are there, is there a process or steps that you kind of go through to, you know, evaluate them, you know, you know, kind of just, just, uh, you know, from a very, very, uh, uh, micro type level or what, what is that? What does that look like for you? Yeah. One of the things that can help the most is being prepared early on. I, I wasn't all that prepared. I was scatterbrained. I didn't use a calendar. I didn't even know I had an interview coming up and I just happened to have somebody walk in and I wasn't prepared with questions. And I, I, I based a lot of my decisions early on, on somebody's personality and their alignment with my vision and not necessarily on experience or expertise or, you know, time in that position that was going to add value to the situation. So I ended up with, you know, early on a couple of people that were very loyal to me and had great attitudes, but weren't all that experienced in what I'd hired them for. So there were some challenges early on there. And now over time, I've developed a more of a process and I've got a set of questions that I ask and I take my time and these, these positions are really important. We're going to lose time and money if we're trying to do this in a hurry. So we've got, you've got a time frame that we've allotted to make sure that we're interviewing a certain amount of people and that this is going to be a good fit for not only the attitude, because, you know, I don't ever want to hire somebody in my business that has a shitty attitude because you can, you can teach the skills, but you can't teach somebody to have a good attitude and have positive energy. Yeah. That's one of the first things that I'm watching for when somebody comes through the doors, their energy, their attitude, their, their can do attitude. And then, you know, I start asking questions about their experience, their background, how they can contribute. And then one of the things that, you know, people aren't all that crazy about, but sometimes I'll ask a really industry specific type of question that, you know, the likelihood of that person knowing is, is pretty small. And then I'm always curious how people will answer a question like that, that I know that there's very few people that could answer this intelligently. And there's something to be said about somebody that can come in and and very um, humbly admit that they don't know the answer to that. And man, but I sure am curious about something like that. And one thing that I can promise you, if you do decide to go with me, is that I'm coachable and I want to learn and I want to grow within the organization. And I'm in for the long haul. You know, one thing about business is if you got a lot of turnover with your people, it's going to keep your growth stunted because you spend so much time reteaching somebody to do the same task. Yeah. That it keeps you from making progress in other areas. Yeah. And that, that's even a good you know, warning sign, I guess you can say, if you do have a lot of turnover, right, you're probably not doing something right, you know, with, with those people, either that, or it's, you know, just a really shitty job too. So, you know, but, uh, but yeah, something, something else to watch out for there. Um, uh, Talk a little bit about how you determine when, when you feel like it is the right time to hire, right? Like, you know, we just went through the exercise of the size of how we hire, and I think a lot of people have things that they, um, 
that they want to let go of. They want to, you know, hire somebody else, but they're afraid to because, you know, maybe they don't know if they can afford it yet or not. Talk a little bit about how you get out of that mindset of, of, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't have enough money to be able to hire anybody. So I'm stuck doing it, which then is, you know, wasting my time. Like the, talk, talk to that, that, that kind of back and forth element that I think pretty well all entrepreneurs go through as they're scaling. And this could even be at any scale, right? Like, it, yeah. you know, you're doing 30 million and you probably still get those types of situations where you still feel that, but, but what are your thoughts along those lines? You know what? I think there was a, a mentor of mine that told me one time that when you're hiring in a hurry or when you're under pressure and you've, you already need that person in place, it's like dating when you're drunk. <laughs> Cause you're going to make exceptions that you normally wouldn't make. Yeah. So some of the activities that we do to try and alleviate that is at our staff meetings, we're always thinking about these potential types of positions that we could need and reverse engineering from the targets that we're trying to hit. And what extra support positions are we going to need to be able to hit those numbers and how much can our current team handle? And at one point, at what point are we going to need some extra supplemental help? Mm -hmm. So then we can get ahead of it. And we've, we've overdone it a little bit in some cases where we were overstaffed. And then we had to, to back down a little bit as we became more effective and realized that some of these positions were a little bit redundant. And as the other more experienced person got a little bit more effective with their time and their tasks, we could put some more responsibilities on them to have give them an opportunity within the company to raise their income. And then we free up a slot that, you know, was a little bit overdone. And, you know, as we grow, we start to realize that there is these specific positions that we need in each office that are going to be almost identical to each other. So now we can develop our SOPs and our training sequence. So when we bring somebody in for one, you know, when we start an office, we know, exactly what we're going to need. We're going to need an office manager. We're going to need a project manager. We're going to need a front desk person that can help answer the phone calls and do some scheduling. And then I need a sales manager. Mm -hmm. And at one point we had, you know, probably twice as many people as we needed because we were, we were focused on some different things that we just hadn't become aware of yet. So hiring is tricky. And a lot of it, you know, as many mentors and consultants and coaches and events as you go to, you know, there's only so much that you can learn from those things. Some of these things you got to learn for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to get out there and do it. Yeah. No, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, th this is, I, I love talking to people that, that, you know, have started something from nothing and, you know, have gone through that process and you've done it very, very quickly. So uh, congratulations there. If, if people want to learn more about you, your products, your services, we've never even mentioned the window company name, if that's something you want to mention, yeah. um, you know, how would they reach out and get in touch? Absolutely. JKR Windows is the name of the company. It's, it's actually my initials. And we are, we're growing fast and we're always looking for good people. So right now we're hiring office manager and a project manager in Boise, Idaho. We're opening offices in Colorado and Arizona this year as well oh, we're cool. for similar positions. And we're always looking for salespeople. That's one of the, the areas that, you know, for us to be able to grow really quickly developing salespeople has been something that we've put a, a big emphasis on. Mm -hmm. So jkrwindows.com, you can find us there if you're interested in looking into a position here. And then also 
I've, I put out content on social media every day, two or three posts a day on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And most of my handles are all at Jefferson K Rogers. Love it. Love it. And I've got my, even got my cell phone on Instagram. So I have people reach out to me all the time, just asking business questions, personal questions, marriage, addiction. Love to, love to help if I can. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Real quick too, you mentioned, you know, developing salespeople. Um, what would you say has been your, I guess your biggest, um, biggest help in learning how to train and develop salespeople? I don't know if it was a program or a book or, you know, some advice that you were given because yeah. again, you know, salespeople, you know, that's one of those key, those key, uh, you know, positions that, you know, you need them and, you know, good salespeople are, are really difficult to be able to find. So yeah. um, any thoughts there? You know what? One of the things that I struggled with early on was leadership. And I was a personal producer. I kept to myself. I spent years and years and years being a pothead. So I didn't talk to a whole lot of people. And I, I had like this social anxiety from being kind of a hermit for so many years and just hanging around other potheads. So it took me a long time to develop and I knew it was a sore spot for me. So one of the first personal development books I picked up was a, a John Maxwell book called The Five Levels of Leadership. And it was, you know, it was a little over my head at that point, but I started to just really put an emphasis on becoming a good leader. At whatever stage I was at, I just knew that I needed to make some progress so I could communicate effectively and build and develop patience with people. And then have some empathy and understanding for people's situations because not everybody's like me and not everybody's going to push as hard and work as hard and, and be as crazy all in as I am. And it, it took me a long time. Another great book that I read that helped me a lot. That's one of my favorites. And I've read it probably four times now is how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And it talks a lot about how you treat people, how you talk to people, how important it is to be present and listen and and the impact that it makes on people when you can show up in that way. So there's, there's no magic pill. It takes time. Some people have it a little bit more than others. For me, it's taken years and years and years of development and intention behind becoming somebody that can attract high quality people and develop people that the true measure of a leader is when you can start developing other leaders. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I love it. Jefferson, thank you for the time. This has been a great conversation. Appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.